0: Hey, time for another edition of Spitting Lugs with ESPN's Tom Luganbill. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like and subscribe. It is always brought to you by mybookie.ag. Football season is here. Winning season is as well. Make sure you put in that promo code next round. They're going to hook you up and check out at mybookie.ag. So you were in Tuscaloosa last week. You saw Alabama, I, I thought 21-6, halftime, that game was over. And then the Jalen Key penalty kind of gave a little momentum. Yeah. They go down. They made it interesting. Um, and I've got a point here, and I want to come back to Alabama. But you and I both agreed. We saw you for a little bit on Thursday. You dropped by the Disrupt Studios. We had a conversation. We were in agreement. A&M's probably better than most people think. They go up to Neyland, uh, Short pump return. Max Johnson looked really uncomfortable. The offensive line doesn't look good. They lose that game. Now Jimbo's in serious trouble. But on the other yeah. side, I thought Tennessee was super physical. If Tennessee goes in to Bryant-Denny and beats Alabama, could you say possibly Tennessee's second-best team in the SEC? I know that sounds crazy and a lot of things to do there. Um, and I, I thought Tennessee watching them last year, maybe it's just an offensive thing, looked mm-hmm. better. But this defense and their ability to run the football, they got some athletes.
1: Well, first and foremost, nobody's run the football on A&M. Nobody. Not Alabama, not anybody. And so credit Tennessee right then and there, because that's part of the physicality you're referencing. Now, thank goodness they could run the ball because they couldn't throw it a lick. I think that's the – you know, if anybody's expecting a rematch or a redo of what we saw last year, I, I think we're going to see anything but that. I think it's going to be tough sledding potentially for both teams. Um Tennessee's really good in the offensive line. They don't have the ability to create the consistent explosive plays that they had a year ago through the air. I mean, a year ago, that Tennessee offense looked like Washington looks like now. All right? They're a far cry from that. Um, but I do think that they have confidence that they can run the football, and you're going to sit there and say, well, man, how'd they run the ball on A&M? And m you are going to say, well, how are they going to run the ball in Alabama? Well, they just ran the ball on A&M, so maybe they can. Uh, but I do think when you go on the road, Tennessee, obviously, the last time they went on the road to Florida, it it was not a good outcome. But you're going to have to do a little bit of what they did at home last week. Like, you need a kicking game play to result in points. You need a mistake to be made by Alabama at home and then take advantage of that mistake and turn it into points uh, of your own. To be honest with you, this matchup's interesting to me because I think both the quarterbacks have a lot of the same deficiencies. Very impressive physical skill set, very streaky inaccurate, um, kind of what you see is, is what you get. If they were – if Tennessee were to win this game, are they the second-best team? I don't think they're the second-best roster, but you can make an argument that, you know, beating AM, beating Alabama on the road, the, the Florida loss isn't looking so bad now. Florida's 5-2. and two. It's like, how did Florida get to 5-2? and two? You're going right. to wake up one day and you're like, what? Um, and Graham Mertz, of all people, is playing out of his mind right now. So, good for Billy Napier. But I, I don't think Tennessee has Georgia's roster. Um, I don't think Tennessee has Alabama's roster. doesn't mean they can't win the game. I I, I think Texas A&M has a better roster than Tennessee, but Tennessee played better. The, the best roster doesn't always win the game.
0: We've already already seen Texas roll into Brian Denny and beat Alabama. Uh, we've seen Oklahoma beat Texas. Both of those teams will obviously be in the league next year. Moving forward, when you look at what Josh Heupel's got, and you talked about his offense last year was very Washington-like with what Kalen DeBoer mm-hmm. and Michael Penix are doing right now. Um, you mentioned Billy Napier, um, you know, Florida has always been kind of that sleeping giant. We obviously know what Georgia is. We know what Alabama is. I mean, moving forward is the sec in the next four or five years, if you had to pull out a crystal ball, is it going to be like the NFL with transfer portal and NIL? And it's just like, you know, eight to 10 teams could win this league on any given year. And it's going to be super unpredictable. Um, it's a
1: really good question because I think. If you look at like the Alabamas and the Georgias, like at, at their height, at, at their best, and maybe a Clemson at their best or an Ohio State at their best, the, the, what's not changing because of the portal and NIL is the, the, the top 22, okay, if you will, on both sides of the ball, they're not getting impacted. Like Georgia's top 22, Alabama's top 22, they're not getting impacted. What's getting impacted, what's thinning the herd is the threes, right? the next guy, not the two deep, the the three deep guy, the guy that is good enough to, he's on Alabama's roster. He's on Georgia's roster. He's not playing yet, but he's good enough to. That's the guy that's going somewhere else. And so that's how the the talent gets dispersed. And now do they go somewhere else and stay in conference? Or do they go out of conference into a a scenario like Jordan Birch at South Carolina, and he goes to Oregon, you know, so, but if they stayed in conference, yeah, you would see much more competitive balance top to bottom because all of the rosters would be infused with talent and likely talent that whatever team that player went ended up at probably didn't have a shot at that player coming out of high school, right? And that's the caliber of player that they're all looking to get. So um, I think it's a great question. There's so much we don't know yet about NIL, the transfer portal, and what's going to happen two to three years. Down the, down the road, but the one thing I do know, the teams with the most resources, the teams with the greatest collective, the teams that are winning on the field will be the least impacted by the transfer portal.
0: Look, Alabama has obviously been dominant for the last 15 years under Nick Saban. You saw them up close and personal. They've only got one loss, the Texas loss that I referenced. They've got everything in front of them. They went out, there in the college football playoff, they can win another national championship, but the, the Alabama team that you've seen now up until this point, Do they have enough talent? I know they do on the defensive side of the ball. Can this offense get it together and go on a run when you've still got to play Tennessee and you've got to play LSU and you've obviously got to play Auburn on the road, which is always difficult, SEC championship, a lot of big games still left in front of them.
1: You know, we were having this conversation in a break during the game, near the end of the game, and the way the game played out, it was so funny because the whole time the game's being played, it felt like it was 45-7 to Alabama. And then you look up at the score and it's like, wait a minute, it's only 21 to six. It just, it had a weird, it had a weird vibe to it. So um, we were talking in break and we're like, you know what? I could easily see this team like mess around, screw around and fall into the college football playoff. I, I could totally see it happening, but I could also see it the exact opposite. If LSU somehow got them in a track meet, Alabama is not built to be in a track meet right now. Um, you know obviously they were able to handle and get old miss off schedule because that team can get you in a track meet too that's what alabama would have to do i think against lsu and, and they're capable of doing it uh because defensively they're just so they're just, they just suffocate you but yeah they're good enough um they're just they're not playing with a first rounder at quarterback right now i mean that's the bottom line They they are their left side of their offensive line is really problematic but it's mostly problematic because it's young not because it's not talented but you have a true freshman at left tackle. You have a true sophomore at left guard. And then the reserves are a redshirt sophomore and a redshirt freshman. Well, the right side's a lot stronger and a lot older, and it's been less problematic. I think the running back room is really good. Like Lance, like when we were talking to Coach Saban, like even he, you know, he doesn't gush much, but he's like that as a group is a really, really consistently productive group. And I think they are too. Um, And they started to show it in the third quarter and then just, up and decided not to
0: make no sense anymore.
1: it was so odd and so but yeah they, they, they could I still think they they're gonna have to clean up a lot of things but they kind of are what they are right now on offense I mean it, it may get better it, it may smooth itself out a little but they're gonna continue to have to work around some things
0: hey did you does your wife know you're a promo code
1: so I shared this with her and I and you know uh, upon various other opportunities to remind her how fortunate she is yeah, yeah yeah right this just was like icing on the cake this was i was like <laughs> you're now married to a promo code okay and so just when you, when you think about you know giving me any lip let's 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 remember promo code
0: manscape.com incredible products put in that promo code <laughs> Lugs. They're going to hook you up at checkout. That is manscaped.com for all of their great products. Always bringing you spitting Lugs here on Disrupt the Media, ESPN's Tom Luganbill. Before we get to this weekend, more importantly in Tuscaloosa, where'd you guys eat on Thursday and Friday?
1: Uh, we ate at Chuck's on Friday. And we all had different responsibilities media-wise while we were there. And we ended up ordering in, what did we order in? I think it was sushi on Thursday. Well, you know, Chuck's has got really good,
0: really good sushi. Are you a sushi guy? Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah, I, I am. I love sushi. Yeah. Chuck's has great sushi. And the, the the weather was so nice. We actually sat outside and it was gorgeous. It was like super nice. But it's amazing the wait to get into that place. Holy oh. smokes.
0: Well, you know, Tuscaloosa has changed so much since I was an undergrad down there. Um, but one thing is the restaurants still are super crowded. The I don't want to say a handful, but, I mean, they've got, you know, eight to ten really good restaurants, but all of yeah. them are always packed, especially game day weekends. No uh Okay, so you're heading to Norman, Oklahoma. I've only been to one game there back in the day. Um, UCF's coming in. John Rice Plumbing, I think, is going to play this week, at least. Yeah, that's I right think theory. he's
1: good to go. Yep.
0: Um, it's amazing the season they've had. I mean, they've got a lot of talent. And, you know, Gus is an active guy in the portal. Uh, you've got an experienced quarterback that's super athletic. Um that team should be better than they are, right?
1: They should be better than they are, but here's what's happening. It's it's growing pains that affects your depth when you move up from the group of 5 to the Power 5 and you're playing Power 5 every single week. I and and I always go back to this cuz I have people always say well cuz I've never been a huge proponent that we should be having a group of 5 undefeated team be part of the uh, of the of the 14 playoff or whatever. And and here's why is if those teams were playing a Power 5 schedule with the team they currently have week in and week out, they wouldn't be undefeated. And everybody says, well, how do you – you don't know that. That's you, you, they, they could go undefeated. And I was like, no, I actually kind of do know it because if you go back and you look at TCU and Utah and you go back and you look at the last three years of each of those two teams at the group of five level, one was 36-3 and three, and one was 33-6, and six. their first two years at the Power 5 level below 500. It's, it's, it's a different level and it's not necessarily a talent piece here or a talent piece there or the frontline starters. It's everything below that and what it takes to get through the gauntlet. So, you know, seeing, and then when you're having to play with a backup quarterback, all right, the way, oh, there we go. Playing with the UCF quarterback as a backup. And then you blow the game against Baylor at home where you got them 35-7. to It was just, that was a crusher. But again, didn't have their starting quarterback, but they played well enough to win the game. But it starts to mount, right? It starts to add up, and you're just looking around trying to survive. I think when we start to see a Cincy or UCF, uh, BYU's actually done pretty decent for themselves, but they're an older football team. When you start to see those get some Power 5-level recruiting classes, You'll start to see them be more competitive week in and week out.
0: Yeah, look, I don't know if it's going to be this weekend, but I think we're going to see down the stretch a couple of three touchdown dogs win games outright. And UCF rolling into Norman, sleepy eleven o'clock game. You get your starting yeah. quarterback back. I, I, you know, I think Oklahoma's good. I love Dylan Gabriel. I give Brent Venable's a ton of credit being able to go from six and seven to where he's got that team right now yeah. under the amount of pressure he had coming into this season. Uh, how good do you think Oklahoma is? Do they have staying power, or is this a game they could possibly lose? I think they're the most improved
1: team in college football from 2022 to 2023. I mean, Lance, do you remember what we were, everybody was saying about this program one year ago this week?
0: Oh, awful. I, I, yeah. I remember 49 people, to
1: nothing. Remember that?
0: Yeah, people were saying that Brent Venables is over his head that they don't have talent at Oklahoma. They're going to get completely destroyed when they run and roll into the SEC, mm-hmm. that they are so far behind what Texas has got right now. And to go from 49 nothing to beating that team outright to controlling everything in front of them, I mean, it's been an amazing turnaround.
1: It's been an amazing turnaround, and and he should be credited. And you were right in your commentary there about one thing. They didn't have any players, particularly on defense. They had a couple, but that was a bare, bare cupboard. What, they, what do they do? They go out and they get three to four guys, impact guys through the transfer portal. They've got two to three true freshmen that are already playing for them, making an impact. And the guys that they could count on are all back and playing well. Danny Stutzman, Jaron Canick, all of those guys. So the defense is fixed. The offense just now has more weapons than they had a year ago. You know, a year ago, you're trying to get uh, Jalil Farouk to transition from running back to wide receiver. He's got really inconsistent hands. So it was tough to rely on him. Um, you got Jacquez Petaway, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson now. Those guys really weren't a part of anything a year ago. It's it's a different roster. It's a different football team. Um, the question that I have, and I think it's a fair question because it happens to a lot of people, is you have that emotional win versus Texas. And in a way, you kind of feel like, boy, it would be really good for us to play a game right away. Because instead of doing that, and I know everybody loves to have their bye in the middle of the season, so that's probably beneficial for Oklahoma. But now you've got two weeks of your entire roster basking in the glow, right? Yep. Everywhere they go, patting them on the shoulder, telling them how good they are. I think that's the biggest thing that Brent Venables and the staff has to guard against. As you referenced, the 11 a.m. kick. Um, UCF's trying to find themselves, but they get their quarterback back. They've got a ton of offensive skill. They can score. Um, it's It's not – they're a pretty good football team. And will Oklahoma have the maturity? to line up and come out and play like they're capable of playing. Because right now, unless Kansas gets Jalen Daniels back, both Texas and Oklahoma are going to be favored in every game they play the rest of the way that leads into the Big 12 championship and a rematch. So you can't slip up here if you're Oklahoma. Yeah, you You beat Texas, but your margin for error is kind of the same as Texas.
0: It's Spittin' Lukes with ESPN's Tom Lugabil. I'm Lance Taylor for the next round. We do this on Disrupt the Media. Like and subscribe. It is brought to you by Lance'sLock.com where you get winners every single day. Get that free winner. Go to Lance'sLock.com. Subscribe. We've got daily packages, weekly, monthly, annual packages at Lance'sLock.com. Not only college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA starts next week. Jump on board at Lance'sLock.com. So, after they survived Appalachia State, I just, I've just i been waiting for North Carolina to lose a game. I know Greg, Drake May is a great quarterback. People said, hey, this, this defense in year 200, Gene Chizik, has really improved. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting and waiting. I thought last week would be a perfect setup with Miami blowing the game against yeah. Georgia Tech. Ron, if I asked you right now, more legit North Carolina or Oklahoma?
1: Um. Wow. I would probably say... Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's slightly better in the offensive line, and I believe Oklahoma is a better football team on defense. Now, North Carolina's improved, but understand that's relative to what we were comparing them against a year ago when they were just – I mean, they were in the USC-Colorado conversation on defense a year ago. So, But I think Oklahoma's actually really good on defense. But North Carolina is absolutely in the conversation, and it deserves to be so. And I I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, when they hired Chip Lindsey as the offensive coordinator, um, he delivered what Mac Brown wanted, and that was a power run game to take the pressure off of Drake May. Then you finally get Tez Walker back. So now this is a completely different offense than it was even just two weeks ago. Um, they can run it, they can run it down your throat. Drake may can throw it all over the lot, and then I get this wide out that can just run right past you down the field. He's he's up there, he's in the conversation, like he's a Keon Coleman type guy. Like he's going to be really, really good. And then defensively, they went out in the transfer portal and they made all the right moves. If you're gonna nitpick North Carolina, you'd say that they might be vulnerable on the edge, on the perimeter at corner on defense, because that's their youngest position. But their two transfer portal guys at safety have made a huge difference. You know, they've got two – and here's the thing about North Carolina and just how much they needed to prove on defense. There are two transfer portal guys in the secondary. One's from East Tennessee State, and the other was from Georgia State. So they have improvements from lower-level football. That's how bad they were playing, you know, on that side of the ball. Both of those players brought a combined 23 interceptions to North Carolina's defense. So they've been vastly improved. And then they got a couple of guys here and there. And their defensive front that just added depth. But the three linebackers are what define North Carolina Power Eccles, Cedric Gray, and Cayman Rucker. They're difference makers. So it's interesting because Mac Brown talked about this when we had them two weeks ago. He said, What we have to avoid is getting comfortable. We got comfortable last year, and it all ended up just blowing up in our face. If we're mature enough to handle each and every week, and I think they showed that against Miami because I agree with you. That was – everybody talks about a trap game. If there was ever a trap game, that was it. Um, and they they showed up, and they played well, and they ran away with the thing in the second half. So I, I think they're really good. And the quarterback is – he's in a different stratosphere.
0: So Georgia has not lost a game since we were in the COVID season of 2020. <laughs> and it, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy to wrap your hand around that, especially when we talk about the parity in college football. Um, but now – it, it seems to be a different Georgia team. They look like the Georgia team a couple of weeks ago against Kentucky. But three of their four last games in the SEC, South Carolina, Auburn, and this past week to Vanderbilt, they've trailed in these games. And now Brock Bowers, the guy that really bailed them out in that second half on the road against Auburn, he's out. Uh, everybody talks about the tightrope procedure that he got this week. People are saying four to six weeks. There's speculation it could be a little more severe. Um, if Brock Bowers, first of all, do you expect him to be back? And number two, if he doesn't come back, who's your favorite to win the college football playoff?
1: So I, I do. I would expect him to be back. Now, is that going to be in time for the game against Georgia Tech or an SEC championship game, or would that be bowl season? And 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 now we start to have the discussion about you know skipping bowls and and not participating and all of that. And I I hate getting into that topic. Um, I think it's unfair to the rest of Georgia's roster and the equity that they have generated through the last, what, would you say pre-COVID year? So, in 2019 was the last time they lost a game?
0: Well, I guess it was 2020. It was the COVID year. 2020. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, Brock Bowers was a true freshman in 2022 or 2021?
0: 2021. So, 21, okay. 22, this is his third year, yeah.
1: Okay. So, so, he's
0: never lost a game.
1: He hasn't lost a game. And um, but I also think it's well, I guess he has to- lost a game.
0: Let me pull that back. They lost the SEC championship game, that one game to Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, won sir. the national championship. So yeah, let me right. totally wrong on that anyway.
1: So, but I, I guess what I'm saying is as good as he is, and he is elite, elite, um, I think it's doing a bit of a disservice to all of the equity that they have generated as a overall roster and how dominant they've been to just all of a sudden assume. But because he's not on the field, they can't compete anymore. I think that's foolish. And when you watched the Kentucky game, that was the game that showed me that Carson Beck has grown up and can throw to other people. Uh, You know, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, Rah-Rah Thomas, they went to those guys and those guys delivered, right? So if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm at least saying, all right, Carson Beck is willing and able to find other targets and now he's going to have to. Um, does it mean that I'm less convinced that they're going to win a national championship? Well, yeah, a little bit, uh, you know, I, I think to some degree. Um, but I think they're good enough to win a national championship. And and to be honest with you, we came off of College Football Live uh, doing like some mid midweek reports this week or midseason reports. And we did like a top five power ranking. And, and as I started really going through it. I felt like super strong that I could take Penn State, Oklahoma, Florida State, Georgia, and Ohio State. Ohio State. I think Washington's proven that they probably belong in the top two or three, but like it's it's Ohio State. I think you could take all of those teams, throw them up against a wall, and see where they stick. I know what my eyes tell me when I watch Penn State, but they haven't proven it yet. They're going to have an opportunity this week. I think Ohio State's. Really good, but also have we seen the best version of them? No, Mayan Williams, no Travion Henderson. Ibuka went out last week. Dunzo Del- Burke went out that last week. They they haven't had their best players on the field in any one given setting over the last two to three weeks. Um Georgia now with this injury, what does that do? Is that kind of just throw them in the mix with everybody else? I, I I'm having a hard time rounding out like a, a top five. And Florida State, you know, Florida State's this close to having two losses. This right. close. And, um, and one to a team that at the time was one, playing some of the worst football through the first three weeks of the season of anybody. in BC. At BC. And BC had 18 penalties that day and only lost by two points.
0: Okay, so if I asked you two of the teams you brought up, we're going to see them this weekend in Columbus. Penn State travels to take on Ohio State. It's the marquee game of the weekend. More impressive win. Penn State 31 nothing over Iowa or Ohio State – at Notre Dame, winning 17-14? Right,
1: right now, I would say Penn State-Iowa because nobody is moving the football in Iowa. Did you know that last week, Missouri's punter had more passing yards than Iowa's offense?
0: <laughs> I mean, these these numbers I hear about Iowa don't surprise me anymore. But I did go back and look at that box score, and for Penn State to put up 400 yards on that defense. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive.
1: And so, and, and the thing is, like the way I look at Iowa. And by the way, look at Iowa's schedule. They might go eleven and one.
0: Oh, I think they. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I brought this up a couple of days ago.
1: It's it's unbelievable. So I guess I, I look at that defense, and I'm like, all right. Well, just give Phil Parker the Broyles Award. Give it to him right now. Right. Nation's top assistant. Go ahead and give it to him right now. Give him the midseason Broyles Award. I don't care. But that team offensively can't function. And I. This is just me. Penn State's defense can do that to a lot of people. Penn State's defense, I think they've got three NFL guys in their front four. I think they've got all three linebackers, potentially NFL guys. They've got two players um, in the secondary that I think are a first-rounder and probably a third or a fourth-rounder. They are are a problem on on defense. And I think offensively, again, we haven't seen them have to – you know, just line up and overwhelm somebody or, or create a bunch of explosive plays. Cause they haven't had to, but it doesn't mean they can't do it. That That's the thing. It doesn't mean that they can't do it. They just might have to prove it this week.
0: It is spitting loogs right here on disrupt the media is brought to you by our friends at manscape. Are you sending me that? Yeah. Yeah. So they got your address. <laughs> Something got screwed up and there were uh, <laughs> a couple of guys that didn't get their products, but you're getting more than just this. You're getting a nice, nice little manscape kit with a bunch Ooh. of different products. Go to manscape.com. You can check out all of their incredible products that they've got for you and put in that promo code Luke's promo code Luke's. They're going to hook you up at checkout before we get out of here. We always talk like talk a lot of entertainment and I was trying to find something the other night. Oh, killing Eve. You've put me on this. I've finished first season. You like Big it. Fan. Yeah. I can't believe how the first season ended. So I'm ready to so jump good. on to season yeah. two. But when I was pulling that up, it had other titles they recommend and The Killing was one of those AMC that I watched years ago. Great and,
1: show. Great and, show.
0: Did you realize, though, they did a spinoff. They did a Swedish version of The Killing. I and, heard it
1: was the other way around. I heard the okay, American version so was the Swedish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what yeah. they
0: typically do with these series is they go worldwide with them. Same yeah. premise. And so I was about to watch it, but I looked at The Killing, the American version on AMC, which you can now get at Amazon Prime. It got like a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, and the Swedish version was like a 67. So I was like, ah, I've already seen it, really? so I'm not going to do it. Thinking about going back, I've seen The Killing twice through its entirety, yeah. but I've talked to so many people that have never seen The Killing. It's so
1: good. And that was at the height of when AMC was had some really, you know, that was during the Mad Men days. Um, there Breaking a- Bad.
0: Breaking uh, Bad.
1: There was a show, too, that was about. Walking uh, Dead. No, I'm. why is it it's slipping my mind? It, it, it Hell was Hello uh, Wills. No, that was not bad too. That was pretty good. This was the one about the the computer geeks.
0: Oh yeah, um,
1: IBM. Yeah, I know
0: called? exactly what you're talking about. It's it's a weird title. It is. It was. Uh, a good I never saw show, it. Though. Only lasted
1: it. two to three years. It was actually a really really good show. Um, but no, the kid the, the killing is is fantastic. By the way, it, so you it, you know the red haired actress in the killing?
0: That's why. Yeah, I was about to bring her up. Yeah,
1: you know who she's married to?
0: Uh, I've heard this. Give give me a hint.
1: Um. He was an actor that's in one of the most famous movies of all time, but was also in a sitcom series with Michael J. Fox. Uh, tell me. He's also in succession.
0: Oh, Alan Rock?
1: Alan Rock, Cameron, Harris wow. Bueller. Yeah. Wow,
0: I didn't realize so no no, I didn't know that. I knew she was married <laughs> to somebody famous, an actor. That's crazy. Um, so she's just not in a lot of stuff. She was in World War Z.
1: Yeah, great movie.
0: Yeah, and and I, uh, and I the dude is like a Swedish or Belgian actor because he was in a um, trilogy of movies that I watched subtitled. But I thought their chemistry, the rapport back and forth so between good. those two was incredible. And that was for the first three seasons, and then it kind of took that dive because a lot of people don't realize the premise of the, the plot for the first season goes into the second season. So you've yeah. got to grind out two years of TV to actually get to that that final moment, but it's well worth it. The acting's great. I love the backdrop of Seattle with the rain. Yeah. Um, I loved it. So I'm, I'm thinking about going back and watching it for a third time over the last 12, 13 years. All right. Let that, me give that's, you that's a my recommendation. recommendation. Yeah. You give me Fine. one.
1: So have you kept up on Netflix? Have you watched these shows like the haunting of Hill house, the haunting of Bly Manor? Um,
0: so I watched uh, the, ha- the midnight the first mass. One. Yeah. What I watched midnight mass like three or four. I watched the haunting uh, Hill, whatever the first, okay. I don't like horror though. Oh, you don't? No. Okay.
1: I was going to tell you. Um, are you going to tell me so, about this
0: new series about the uh, devil or something?
1: No, 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 no. It was um, – so the okay. guy that writes and directs and produces all those, and if you'll notice, a lot of the same actors are in those shows, and one of them is his wife in real life. But So he's come out with a new show on Netflix. It's called The, the Fall of the House of Usher. And my wife and I just started it and it's along the same, it's not so much horror. It's got some creepy elements and stuff like that, but it's along the same vein. And if you do like horror, like you'll like all those other shows. This guy's done all of these shows. Um, he creates them and writes them and directs them. But um, I was going to tell you, I don't know. You don't like horsey. I figured you for a horror guy.
0: Nah, nah. Do you and like, like,
1: do you like ghost type horror? Do you like creepy type horror? No. You just don't like no. gore?
0: psychological thrillers, gore doesn't bother me. Like, Seven is one of my favorites. The Shining okay. is one of my favorites. Silence just, of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is incredible. Right. I just don't like like anything demonic. And and I'm one of those that <laughs> clickbait, clickbait will bring me in. And so today I saw Don't Watch This New Netflix Documentary Alone. And so I popped on it. And it's based on a 1980 trial. So an 11-year-old becomes possessed. And it's supposed to be a true story. And it's on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Just started. Okay. 11 year old becomes possessed his, they do, um, an exorcist, his daughter's boyfriend, wishes the possession on him. He kills his landlord like a month later. This is all true story stuff. So they've done this docu-series on it and they swear, do not watch it alone. Like you will need a therapist. If you watch this thing alone, what's it called? It's called like The Trial by the Devil. I'll find it because okay. I got it on my club well, I'll just day. go
1: look on the Netflix homepage, Aaron. Yeah, It'll but it, there. it
0: it's got the trailer and it looks freaky. And so see, I'm See that's not, right
1: up my alley. I love that stuff.
0: Have fun with that. I'm out. <laughs> I am out. Hey, uh, enjoy Norman. Do you have like a good spot in Norman that you go to?
1: Yeah, the Ranch Steakhouse is really good and then, you know, Dusty DeVorecheck obviously was an all-two-time All-American there and and lives in Norman, so we always get together and he has a couple of good spots to hit.
0: Good, man. Well, look, uh, enjoy it. Manscaped will be there shortly. I know you got a date night awesome. coming up uh, tomorrow night or tonight. No, right?
1: no, it's tonight. So, my wife's birthday was last uh, Friday, and I'm never home, of course, during the season on her birthday. So, we're doing a, 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 a special birthday version of, of date night
0: tonight. Love it. Look, enjoy it, man. You're always great. Tom Luganbill, ESPN, Spitting Luges right here on Disrupt the Media. Like and subscribe. It is always brought to you by MyBookie.ag. When you sign up there at MyBookie.ag, put in that promo code. Next round, they're going to hook you up at checkout right here on Spitting Luges.